Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Chris Bartlett. And I'm Matt Rice, and we hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry. We've both worked in ministry for over 20 years and have seen just about everything. And as damaged as we are, we're ready to dive into and bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every ministry leader has. What's today? Today is your birthday. No, it's oh not. Oh my goodness. No, it's not. <laughs> it's your birthday. So, oh, Matt, no, actually, tell me a little bit about where you are. Uh, physically? Where I physically, am? yes. I am in my wife's office, in her brand new office, with my like mug that I got a long time ago. World's it's, best uh, boss? Clearly, yeah. you got that a long time ago. Clearly. Oh, it's from Dunder Mifflin. Okay. <laughs> no, but like, okay, so your wife, um, just to dive into this just a little bit, she's a doctor. Yep. And she is approaching medicine radically different. Yeah. When uh, when she started medicine, she uh, obviously started it because she loves her patients and loves um, helping people get better. It's things like that. Like that's more of a ministry to her. And over the last 10 or 12 years, the way things have shifted with uh, in- the insurance companies and all that stuff, like she is not, has not been enjoying her job. And, and physicians across the nation are in the same place. Like people are burning out. They're retiring early just because they have to grind so much um, just to make the same paycheck they were making before. And insurance companies are meddling in the way that they do medicine. So like the insurance company says, well, if you don't have patients at this level, if a certain percentage of your patients aren't at this level for this specific you know, thing from your blood work, then you get docked pay. Then we're not going to reimburse you fully for the procedures that you bill us for. And so then, so then the hospital system gets hit by not getting reimbursed at a high enough rate. So then they deduct from the physician. So then the physician has to then start doing medicine the way the insurance companies are telling them how to do it. And that's instead of the way that they feel called or even because, because who knows the patients better, the insurance company or the physician. Exactly. Okay. And so, and then you've got to like have such short appointments that you can't actually have relationships with the patients or anything like that. So it's, uh, it's all about scale. You got to yeah, scale absolutely. it up. And so uh-huh. there's a new model out there and it's, it's not new. It's like same old, same old. Like it's, it's like going back to like physician in the 1950s almost where the patient has a direct relationship with their physician. That's it. Like take the middle, take the middleman out, take the insurance company out. Um, and so it's called direct primary care. And most models, they'll have a combination of a like per appointment fee or a membership fee. But the membership fee covers anything you would ever need from your primary care physician. So I feel like this is a commercial, dude. Did did I just go into a commercial when you asked me a simple question? (laughs) No, I mean, that's great. And so Wesley is moving into this uh, model. Sorry, your wife. (laughs) Anyways, is moving into this because she was both no longer satisfied and no longer fulfilled by the status quo. And as as ministry leaders, I know we're in COVID and the status quo has gotten thrown out the window. I think people are starting to get comfortable again. But as we're getting ready for what's next, I think it's fair for us, and I'm not comparing certain things to uh, the big bad insurance companies or anything like that, but I think that it'd, it'd be good for us to kind of take a step back, especially during the summer, and look at things and say, are we going to lather, rinse, repeat, and keep doing things the same way that they've always been done, recognizing that there have been some fruits that aren't as good and some fulfillment that has dropped? Like, I think there's a lot of ministry leaders out there 
that are like, yeah, I'll just do this program again, or I'm looking for another program. When actually thinking, thinking a little bit, uh, differently and say, I actually just want to journey with these people. Yeah. I want to journey with these people in a way that makes faith real yeah. and success for, for my semester success for my ministry doesn't look like they've completed a worksheet or they can do the end of chapter review well, but that they're living their faith, that they're willing to respond radically, respond dynamically. And we can't do that if we we just kind of have that bigger, bigger approach. We have to get in there a little bit more and uh, and journey with them the way that now your wife's practice will be able to journey with people a little bit more effectively. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting what, what you're talking about, like the... Um, the whole reason that my wife did something radically different that other people are doing that she kind of actually is actually following from and learning from them because she was burning out. Like she was getting burnt out in her, in her job, in her role, in her, in her ministry. And, and she couldn't do it anymore. So she had to find another way to do it. That's happening across the nation with youth ministers. It happens all the time, you know, with ministry leaders that they just get burnt out of doing it the same old, same old. And, and sometimes it's the, like it's this, the hoops we have to jump through in order to do X, Y, and Z. Like some parishes, and I'm, I don't know, whatever, but some parishes require youth ministers work 40 hours a week and on top of that have to do the retreats in the evenings. Um, and that doesn't count towards their 40 hours. And it's like, that's just like, that's a recipe for, for burnout. Like you've got to find a better way to do things, right? Yeah. I mean, that's true. Yeah. Just oh, a simple being, example. Being overworked. But, yeah. The the other piece in, in regards to it is I, I see a lot of people that are getting, there's a song back from the 90s, Comfortably Numb. Mm. I have become comfortably numb, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so. Um, <laughs> like if David Casper is listening, he would be <laughs> rolling over in his grave before he's even dead. <laughs> listening to it would kill him and then the, he'd roll over in his grave. the wrong pitch on that completely. <laughs> I, I don't know the song. I just remember the lyrics. I'm a lyrics guy, okay? But. But I, I've even found that Zoom after Zoom after Zoom, and you're just starting to get hypnotized by the screen. And uh, and I see teens turning off their little screen, and, and I know that they're playing on their phone or doing something else. And I'm like, maybe that sounds cool. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. it's hard. It's so hard. And you're just like, this is the best we can do. And I don't know if it is. I don't know if it is, and I'm wondering if we can do something different to shake things up because what what your wife has done to shift her practice is a radical change. Yep. It's a huge risk, but it's a new way, not a new way, but it's a way to to lean in dynamically, and I think that we need something like that in ministry leadership right now is for us to to get roused, you know? Yeah, it's it's not the only way that physicians are responding um, but it's the way that was the most attractive to my wife and I, you know, and because I wanted her to fall in love with medicine again, I didn't want her to leave medicine and and do something else because that is a response. Like I'm just I'm done. I'm going to go do something else. Um, so youth ministers have the same options. Like I'm going to I'm going to do something radical to change the field of youth ministry or change the field of the ministry that I'm in, or I'm gonna I'm gonna bail. I'm just going to go do something else. I'm going to go be an accountant. I'm going to go be a doctor, you know, Um, but it might be, uh, and I, I, as you were talking and thinking about this, I'm like, Chris, this is why a blaze exists. (laughs) Like a blaze exists because we, like we saw the same thing, you know, it, it was like, I can't keep doing ministry the way that we've been doing it. 
we've got to do it a different way. We've got to serve ministry leaders in a different way, reach out to them. Um, yeah. And, and so that was the whole genesis of, of Ablaze and why, why, why she exists. Well, and, and I love it because uh, now it's a family thing for both of you, you know, and, and, and for a, almost every ministry leader I know, ministry comes from outside of us, but it also comes from within us, right? And so there's this calling that God puts outside of us, but there's something that stirs within us, right? Mm-hmm. And that, that passion, that drive, that desire, that hunger for people to come to know the Lord and to know the Lord in a radical, dynamic way. And that's something that like it makes us restless. And and when that's not fed, just feed what makes you passionate. If you don't feed that, then all of a sudden it starts to die. And I think that there's a number of ministry leaders right now that maybe feel like they're dying inside a little bit because they're not able to feed their passion. And for me, like one of my passions is relational ministry and Zoom is just not feeding it in the same way. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. Um and so, so how in this new, this big, scary post-pandemic world that we're entering into, how do we continue to to feed that passion and, and innovate in that way? Yeah, I wonder how many people feel this way. Like, I, I want to get back to relational ministry. I want to see the people I serve. But I also don't want to be callous. Like, so I want to hold an event and invite everybody to it. I don't want to mess with all the crap that I have to do, you know, to, to make sure everybody's safe. Um, but I also don't want to be callous and, and put anybody at risk. So you've got this like tension of, well, I guess I just wait. And I don't like that. I wouldn't say tension. I would say paralysis. Yeah. That's the part that, that breaks my, that's the part that breaks my heart. (laughs) It is like, I, 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 and I don't know, like, I just want to, I just want to see the car's been in park for so long. I just want to see if it can just have any movement whatsoever, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, yeah, it does have to be measured. But the the insurance company that, that your wife experiences, you know what I mean, makes it so measured that it's micromanaged, you know. Yeah. And I, I don't want COVID to micromanage or dictate whether or not we share the gospel. Yeah. Sure, it might require us to innovate how we share the gospel. But if if you reflect ministry leaders, if you see it and it's, changed whether or not you share the gospel, then again, we need to wake up. We need to mm. start thinking, what does it mean to pivot to turn things upside down? What does it mean if you, you're a ministry leader and it's like, I've been focusing on the youth or the children. I need to focus on the parents because mm. they they have relationship. You know, like think about think about your ministry this fall. If you do not have a uh, in-person experience, does that mean that there's going to be youth or children that have catechists they've never met. How does that create authority? You know what I mean? Because then all you're doing is communicating information, and that's different than formation, right? There's something more than just, here's a worksheet, here's some information, here's a video. There has to be this accompaniment. The road to Emmaus, you know what I mean? Like, how do we journey with them? And if we can't physically, or if we can't journey with them even digitally, right, then the parents are the ones that we have to empower because they are already equipped with relationship to journey with them. Mm. So, so what does that mean to throw yourself radically at the parents? And maybe, you know, you mentioned youth ministry. Maybe you're an excellent youth minister, but maybe you're going to have to be an excellent parent minister for this fall. Yeah. Well, and it's uh, you you saying that we're going to have to do virtual, you know, for the next year or whatever. I, I don't like that. Stop it. <laughs> you know, and I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to COVID, really. Just stop. Just Yeah. I'm yeah. And, 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 and to be... To be six feet away from everyone, 
which might be prudent as a ministry leader to make that a reality if we're going to gather in person, to be six feet away from everyone. I, I, I just don't sense the same style of community. Yeah. As if, as if we get this chairs all scooted together or an icebreaker where we're running, running across the room, you know, and I know this is coming from a youth ministry mindset, but everyone has, I mean, to greet someone at the door by stepping back instead of stepping forward mm-hmm. so that they have their bubbleless space does not feel like the the hospitality that Christ desires. Yeah. Like in and I'm I'm interested to see when this the the feeling of being around other people changes. So I uh I think I'm a a good person. I like people. I trust people. I like to be around people. Um but when this first hit and I went on my first grocery store run with my mask on and my hand sanitizer and all that stuff, I looked at the people around me as if they were enemies. My stomach, my stomach hurt. Like leaving the house, my stomach hurt. I mean, it's crazy. Like I am not an anxious person. I'm definitely like a go with the flow kind of guy and not a germaphobe in any way, shape or form. But the way that that felt at the beginning of this was a lot worse than it is now, but it's still like that. When I walk into a room, I'm like, am I far enough away from that person? You know, it like, and, and there's still this feeling of stay away from me, you know? Um, and I don't like that. And I don't know how long that's going to last for not just for me. Cause it's not just me. I promise, <laughs> you know, but it's a, I think it's a, it, it, there's a, a huge societal shift that happened in, in personal space. And it's, and it's a, it's a lot more guarded with, I don't know, than, than it ever has been before. And I don't know when that's going to shift back or if it's going to shift back or what that'll look like. And for those who have a disposition to charity, which should be everyone, uh, but uh, even if you land, oh, COVID's not a big deal or these things are over um, imposing or whatever it is. It doesn't change the fact that as an act of charity, if someone feels more comfortable with you being six feet away, then you stay six feet away, you know? And the challenge with that is that also, if you're predisposed to charity, journeying with people in an intimate way is the best way to be, you know, is to, is to accompany them. You know? And so charity in itself is calling us closer to lean in, but also to step away at the same time. Yeah. It's... It, and I, I don't know as ministry leaders how we can, I don't know if there's a middle line that we're like, okay, three feet away is the way to go, which I don't believe that's the answer. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's really like interesting. Where like in the past, you know, going up and shaking someone's hand, giving them a side hug was normal and relationship building. Now it's threatening. It, it, now it's uncharitable. Yeah. Like that, that, that simple. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, that's a crazy shift and twist. Now, obviously, I'm sure everybody has their close friends and family that they do hug, shake hands, high five, whatever. Um, and that like that, it doesn't feel like that feels fine. That feels normal. It's the people you don't know. And like if you're looking to evangelize the unevangelized and, and meet people you've never met before, bring in the like the kid who's never been to youth group before or whatever, or the the new RCIA member, whatever. Which we're called to, yeah. which mind you, we are called to do. Like, how do you do that, you know, in, in a bubble, in a six foot bubble? 
Yeah. Like, uh, and, and just going to, ha- we're going to have to find a new ways to, I don't know, to be welcoming, um, which is just, I don't know. It's just crazy because phys- humans are so physical touch. I mean, like physical touch is, is necessary for survival. Like uh, how many studies have there been of old folks homes of people who die from a lack of physical touch? Ten, 10 years from now, I, I think it's going to be very interesting looking back at this time mm-hmm. to, to see how it goes. I think this generation, Generation Z, that are going to kind of go through young adulthood and uh, and, and adulthood with this experience in their rearview mirror. Yep. It's going to be it's going to be transforming in the way that they approach everything from politics to personal finance to rearing of children, things yep. like that. It'll be so interesting, but we're still in it now. I don't want to start making predictions or anything like that cuz we're still in it now. Mm-hmm. And uh and and so for <laughs> this is not what we ta- just said we were going to talk about. Yeah, no, like we went gonna... off on a tangent and we just stayed on it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and and so but I I, I want to keep leaning into it because when this all happened, what we did was took what we were doing and we said, let's keep doing it, but in a digital format. Mm, mm-hmm. And we had to let go of certain things, you know, and so boom, yeah, something on, on our Zoom meetings. Something needs right. to change to meet this new reality. And let's just change ha- like the format. Let's just change how we meet. We'll yeah. do digital. Yeah. And so we're still doing icebreakers. We're still doing, you know, small groups and, and, and different pieces like that. But what I'm asking or what I'm proposing us to consider is what if we did like your wife did and say, we're going to do something completely different, mm-hmm. completely different. And it still meets the needs of what we're called to. Your wife is still practicing medicine. Your wife is still bringing people to healing and to understanding of, of wholeness and health, you know, and in ministry, what does it mean for us to rethink how we're doing it for the people that we're called to serve in the community that we're specifically placed in? What if the power went out now? How would you succeed in your calling? Yeah. Think about that. Try and rethink what you're doing in regards to ministry, um, because I think that those that we've retained, which are fewer than what we had before COVID, right? Those that we've retained are ones that were already primed and ready for discipleship. But those that are not, how do we get them? How do we go out and how do we find them when (laughs) when the only way we can go out is six feet away? Holy crap. I just like, I don't know how many parishes... Oh, this is interesting. So the the whole uh, let's ha- let's wait for them to come to us mentality has been like just the way the church does church, you know, for sure. for a long time. Yes, um, unless those those few that are woke, you know, for the uh, <laughs> the new evangelization, you know, it's just um, and how many churches did the same exact thing during this? We just put out our our feed, our live feed, and we waited for them to find us. We, we may have sent stuff to our email, email list. We may have put it in our bulletin. But did we, like, how many people actually got something in the mail? Like, and, and I'm, I'm just saying that's, that would still be a way for them to come to us, but you'd be reaching out a little bit more. You know, but like you said, if the power went out, how are you, you going to reach them? Well, basically, for a lot of them, the power went out, right? They, they did not have your live feed. They'd never been to your website. They don't get your bulletin, and they're not on your email list. Right. You had a ton of parishioners that were in that boat. What did you do? Like all you had was their mailing address. What did we do? And so that's, I think that's kind of sad. <laughs> well, you know? so, so I, I guess, yeah. So, so let's sit and be sad and be like, oh, things are forever going to be different. Or let's yeah. buckle up. Yeah. Let's suit up and let's do it. You know what I mean? Because I know their email address and do I know their personal address? Yeah. I like the idea, like what you said of the parents accompanying the kids. 
Um, I mean, almost everybody that's in our CIA has a sponsor or someone that's bringing them into the church. Okay, let's let them walk together. And so you've got the parents, you've got the RCIA people. And then you, again, I think there are different ways to do that, but you would pretty easily like have them in the room together on a Zoom call for, for that side of things. But it's like that person that's with them is the person, like is the catechist, not you over Zoom. Right. You know, um, and so you're, you're, you're empowering that person or those people that are with them to accompany the people that are with them. Um, exactly. Because you can't do it over Zoom. As, as effectively. We have been doing it over Zoom. True. And some people have been doing it effectively over Zoom. True. But it's not at the same scale. Yeah. And this just simply, I, I, I don't know if it's sustainable on this level. Uh-huh. Now, there are some people who might have immune compromise and things like that. But again, I don't know if a Zoom call with 15, 20 people is going to be as effective as maybe a one-on-one type of accompaniment, which the parent is already literally set up to do. Or, I mean, like a, a Zoom call with 10 pairs of people or with 10 families. Like, that's totally different than 10, you know, like if you had 10 RCIA candidates on a Zoom call and you were the one expected to pour into them, that's totally different than 10 um, sponsor and RCIA person, like 10 pairs but I, yeah, but I guess Anyways, I guess We're getting the, I guess what I'm saying because you no know, the detail that, that that you're stuck on is Zoom and I'm like stop stop it <laughs> because the mentality there is still kind of exists to where they come to us and we provide a connection with Christ mm-hmm. like Christ is present in every home of every baptized Catholic every single home he desires to be alive in the relationship of every parent to every child every single one. And yet, sometimes we say that you got to jump through our method, make sure that you use our insurance process in order to get the healing that you need, Matt Rice. Do you see the analogy here? I do. I do. But the, uh, and I think what I was getting at was the the people that are doing that still need to be equipped in some way. So, so oh, absolutely. How, how are they yep. going to be equipped? So that was the what I was talking about was the equipping side of things more than changing the, from a source to a resource mentality. Yeah, yeah. How do we resource them? How do we help them be successful in God's saving action in their life to yep. respond to it? Yep. Yeah. Okay, then I won't fight you on that. I know that was a, that I was got... a that was a fun tangent that took the whole show. <laughs> Started out as a weird commercial for my wife's practice, then it became a commercial for a blaze. <laughs> but but they should they should yeah they should be inspired by the fact that your wife is still practicing and doing what she loves. It's yeah. just she's taking a radically different approach in order to allow her passion to surface. Yeah, and I, I'm telling you, like there's times where in my marriage, like we'll watch our wedding video on our anniversary, and they're. I don't know if you've ever gotten in a fight on your anniversary. It's not, you feel like garbage, but like there's times where it's like really healthy, like really healthy to watch it and be like, oh, that's right. I'm reconnecting to the start of our story. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, uh, and, and I want you to think back ministry leaders to the, the, the day, the day before you started your first job in ministry or your first big leadership role in ministry and what was going through your mind, what was going through your heart, where were your passions and God's will just aligning and creating fireworks. Go back to that because that spark still exists within you 
and external to you, still God calling you to it. You know what I mean? There's a beautiful connection there. And, and to get fired up again, to get fired up about what that means, and then to step in saying, okay, this is the ministry role that I'm stepping into. Let tomorrow be your first day on the job. And what would you do if you were coming in and being like, I've got this program, or I've got this parish, or I've got this mission, and this is how I'm going to transform it so that we can change the world here in my little community. Amen. Love it. I noticed that we've I actually sat down with our social media coordinator earlier this week, and I said, hey, you know, what are we doing for uh, like Ministry Leaders Anonymous uh, Facebook page? And she's like, oh, I didn't know that was on my list because you know, she's got a thousand things that she's doing. And I was like, oh, uh, let's look at it. Let's see what, what, what Chris and I have done on this lately because we, we point everybody that's on the show to go look at it. March 14th. March 14th was our last post, Chris. Why are we sending people to this thing if we're not doing something? We need to get All off right. our butts and start doing something. And and uh, yeah, and who who posted? <laughs> Probably you. It was absolutely me. <laughs> so yes, very, I'm not yelling good. at you. I'm yelling at us. Like mostly me, because I am Mea awful culpa, on the though, socials. For real. Yeah. Yeah. So guys, we uh we are going to try to do better. I like I don't get on very much, but. Um, I will definitely try to do better because, I mean, why would we point you guys somewhere if we're not even going to be there? Well, um, I'll call it out. JP, post a dad joke on it. Like, I know you're listening. Go do it. right now Go and post a it. dad joke on <laughs> Ministry Leaders Anonymous uh, closed group. Yes. All right, guys. So this time, thank you so much for joining us today. Please continue the conversation online. Uh, send us your feedback uh, to ablaze. Nope. MLA at ablaze.us and share this podcast with somebody. And here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly, go alone. And if you want to go far, we go together. Take some time this week to get in touch with that initial spark, that initial passion, that initial calling, and dream about what it means to approach things dynamically and radically different. And take some time to pray for other ministry leaders to do the same. We'll see you guys next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. God bless. God bless.